Good morning. How are we all going? Cool. Ah, great morning, huh? Really good. Just love the presence of God. You know, when we come together as family, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just being in his presence, just enjoying him, just drinking deeply of the wells. There's something about it, you know, being together. I guess in, in the last probably, I don't know, since I've been certainly a Christian, which is a long time, it's always been this thing about, you know, me and Jesus, you know, and then the church is kind of the add-on. And, um, you know, and I've talked about that in my own journey with you before, but it's actually, it is actually about family. And, you know, there is actually a strength and a dynamic that happens both when we come together like this corporately and we, we just get together to, to enjoy him together. There's, there is an actual power and a presence here. It says where two or three are gathered. There is something that happens, a dynamic that actually happens, and it's not just over the congregation, it's actually for each of us. You know, the First Corinthians 12 where it talks about the spiritual gifts, the context of that is actually when we come together. You know, and, and, and I really want to encourage us over in the days ahead, you know, I mean, I didn't plan this, this is just, I'm just thinking now, is to actually develop the spiritual gifts and see them manifested in the body. You know, you know us, out, we're about sending people out. And it's not about how many people we get in here, it's about going out. And so, and we know, we believe the spiritual gifts are for out there. I mean, we have healing rooms, we have the kingdom on the streets, we have um, the different ministries that minister out of here to see people encounter God. But it's also got to start in here as well. You know, it's about encouragement, edification, exhortation. It's about actually building, it talks about building ourselves up and building one another up. And so it's an important thing. So I really want to encourage you, when you come along to church on a Sunday, come with a prophetic word. Come with an expectation. And, and look, the prophetic word might be for the body, it might be for an individual. The first thing that's when I, you know, when I get a prophetic word, the first thing I ask is, who's it for? Is it for me? Oh, good, I'll prophesy, Lord. <laughs> or is it for the person next to me? Or is it for the, the body? But this is a great place. It's a safe place to practice these sorts of things. It's like healing and, and all the other gifts. You know, we want to we practice them. We want to grow in them. We want to see them manifested. So I really want to encourage that. Learn, you know, just at home, I mean, it's really, really simple. In the morning before you come, words of knowledge. Take some time in the morning just to quieten yourself and just say, God, just give me a word of knowledge today. And if something pops into your head, let's give it a go. You know? I mean, it, it, the worst you can do, okay, is get it wrong. <laughs> you know, there's no penalty. And, and it's about, it's actually about risk. You know, we talk about it all the time. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. We need to say about, you're never going to get, you know, kind of, oh, you, you didn't get it right. It's going to be, man, good on you, because you've crossed the chicken line. And all of us started making, with making mistakes. And it was through making mistakes we learned how to do it. And so I just really want to encourage that, that, you know, to increase what the body's got and, and to see it. We want to, we want to grow as a rich, vibrant community, yeah? You know, we want to see, I mean, I, I, yeah, and you know my dream, I have this dream of, of us representing all the nationalities that are in this area, and, you know, I mean, if you count up all, I think we're still about, we're around about 30 nationalities at the moment when everybody's here, and, and that's great. It's not enough. It's a whole lot more, you know? You've heard me say before, the markets down at New, the Avondale Markets, there was 207 national, uh, ethnicities they counted. And there's 197 nationalities and countries in the world. So there are more ethnicities at Avondale Market than there are nations. <laughs> so, which I mean, you know, you've got different tribes and stuff, so that's okay. So we've got a little way to go. 
you know, but the mix of, of the body of Christ should be that. We should be mixing together, growing, and, and then out of that, seeing the body flourish and become healthy. And, the, and we become healthy by interaction with one another. You know, that, that's, that's an important thing. You'll never, you'll never be fully Christian, a Christ follower by yourself. You know, it's, it's an important thing to understand that. So, so there you are. So that was just the introduction. You've still got more sermon to come. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but that's just, yeah, it was there sitting on me, so I just wanted to share it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to give this morning. Lord, it's just so good to be with the family, to worship you, to love on you, just to enjoy you, to, to just receive revelation, um, all this stuff. And Father, I just pray your presence now as I just share this word that I believe you've laid on my heart in the last few weeks. Father, that it's, it's about bringing glory to you. That's what it's all about. And so I just commit it to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to John chapter 15, or your tablets or here. I want to talk about this morning the kingdom way, living in success. So John chapter 15, we're going to read a little short passage where Jesus is talking to disciples, but effectively obviously talking to us as well. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no, no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I have commanded you. We read that last part again. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. And what commandment is he asking of us? Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes on, and here's what love looks like. Greater love has, a, has no one than this, and they lay down one's life for his friends. You know, one of the things that, that as believers we have to be conscious of or aware of is that there are two kingdoms that are trying to influence us, that are trying to shape and mould our value system. So the concept, you know, it's that whole concept that we're in the world but we're not of the world, that we belong as believers to a different kingdom now. So there's this world system and there's this kingdom system and they're both trying to influence the way I see things, what I value, the beliefs that I hold core and dear to me. And there are times where we, I think we don't even realise it, but that we live, but the way we live is not actually a kingdom value, but it's a world value. There are things that we, we just unconsciously do that are actually world values. There are the things that the world go after. And, and without even realising, you know, the kingdom is actually opposed or opposite to that. So as believers, I, I, I think we need to know that I'm not allowing myself to come under the influence of the kingdom. You know, what is influencing me? What is shaping me? Where, is my, where in my life do I hold values that are not a kingdom value, but actually coming from the world I live in, but I'm actually not of? And one of the areas that I think that we can sometimes have problems is in the whole area of success. There's a world's definition of success and there's a kingdom's definition of success. The world's, king, success, sorry, the world's definition of success is based upon performance. It's based upon achievement. It's based upon accumulation. 
Like, you know, in, in the world you're successful if you perform in a certain way, if you accumulate enough, if you have achieved something. And the world will say to you that, that if you accumulate enough money or if you enough power or, or, or enough fame or live in a certain house or drive a certain car or live a certain way, then you are successful. This is how the world describes success. It really is all driven by insecurity and a need for significance. But you know, the kingdom is different. And let me say, in saying all that, I am not opposed to money. If you have a nice house and if you have money, that's great. I believe those things can be gifts from God. So I'm not disputing that. But how we define success is different in the kingdom to the world. You see, in the kingdom, it's not so much about how much we accumulate. It's how we live our lives in giving. Generosity and how we lay our lives down for others. See, in this area of success, it's important that we do this, that we understand it. Because if we live from that wrong version of success, if we're striving and working for something that is ultimately empty and shallow in our lives, it it doesn't lead to life. So the obvious question is, you know, I, I, I want to be an influence. I want to be influenced by the kingdom. So what is success in the kingdom? You know, success, kingdom success is built around this. You, uh, um, and you can never fully understand success unless you put it up against eternity. That's the first thing. You need to put it up against eternity. You see, you know, the Bible's clear about a lot of stuff. And there's two things that it's really, really clear about. Firstly, life is but a moment. No, no how, matter how long you live, life is but a moment. You know, Billy Graham, the wonderful evangelist, lived for 99 years. But 99 years. But in the scope of eternity, the Bible says that life is just like a vapor. It's like grass that withers away. So one of the things as a believer is that if we're going to say, okay, what is success in the kingdom? Or in other words, I want to celebrate what he celebrates. I want to be impressed by what he is impressed by, and I want to applaud what he is applauding. You know, part of my concern is that I think that sometimes we're impressed by things that he's not simply impressed by, and we're applauding things that he's not applauding, and I think we go after things that he's not interested in. So it's, God, what are you interested in? What are you celebrating? What are you applauding? And I think the first thing we have to do is we have to put it up against eternity. I can't measure success in my life unless I put it up against eternity. Because firstly, we have a very short life. It's it's a moment, it's a breath, and it's gone. And the other thing, number two, is this, that one day I will stand before God. Now, I will be standing before God not to give an account for my sins. My sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. If you're a believer, if you've accepted the work of Christ on the cross, then God sees you as righteous. I do not have to give an account for my sin. That is gone. But I do have to give an account for my life. What have I done with what he's given me? You see, there's really a battle that's constantly happening Am I going after the kingdom version of success or am I going after the world's version of success? And the only way I can know if I'm going after the kingdom version of success is to ask myself these two questions. 
is this going to go into eternity with me? And is Jesus going to ask me about it? Let me give you um, some ministry examples because that's the world I live in right now. But you can apply it to your situation, I'm sure, very easily. You know, I mean, for, for, for pastors, although they may not say it, <laughs> quite often the measure of success is how many people came on Sunday or how many people are in your church, you know. Oh, you pastors, so how many people are in your church, you know. Now, listen, you know, I, I want our church to grow. I've just been talking about that. I want to see people represented in this family from every nation. I love seeing people come in, but it cannot be connected to my version of success. And here is why, because one day I'm going to stand before God and he's not going to ask me on September the 23rd, 2018, he's not going to say to me, hey, how many people were in the church on Sunday? You see, he's not impressed by that. He doesn't care about it. Kingdom success is defined by obedience and faithfulness. At the end of the day, I want to be in a place where I hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You were obedient in what I asked you, and you were faithful with what I gave you. You were faithful with what I gave you, and you were obedient with what I asked you. See, he's not going to ask me how many people I had in my church, or how much money I've got in my bank account, or what car I drove, or anything like that. He's going to ask me the simple question, was I faithful with what he gave me? Did you do what I asked you to do? That's what he's interested in about what I do today. Is, am I doing what he's asking me to do? Am I, what did I do with that that he did give me? And I want to stand before him. And I want to be faithful in the message that he's given me and obedient in taking that message and to try to encourage and equip the body of Christ with it. Because on that day, he's going to ask, was I faithful and was I obedient? And the reason this is important is because we get so easily caught up in the world system. And you know what? He's not interested in it. He's not interested in it. But it's so easy because of the competitive nature Michael Brodeur, when he was here last year, was telling me that he'd, been got, he'd got involved with um, the Jackson family. Michael Jackson, his brothers and his sister, and some of them had become believers, and he was ministering with them, uh, ministering to them and doing things like that, and had given them an entry into part of the movie world and the business world. And he's saying that the, the downside of it for him was this, that young leaders began to want to gather around him. They were blown away by who he knew. And they were really impressed by that. And I remember him just saying to me, he said, Trent, you know, my heart is grieving over that. It wasn't wrong what he was doing because he knew that what he was doing, God had told him to do. But he was sad because he said it was like people were more impressed and to know him because he knew someone who was famous rather than someone who just loved people. See, we, we get it all wrong. We, we get it upside down. That's a world standard. We're so impressed so often with someone who's famous. I mean, I hear it again and again, oh man, you know, if, if um, Pink, who's been, you know, she got saved, oh, what a testimony for Christ. As if, you know, her life has more value to God than someone else's. We're so impressed by people who are famous rather than the guy in India who sits with lepers and, and who doesn't have a Twitter account and has never written a book. 
as if someone in, like that, if someone famous is more impressive in the kingdom. Yeah, we really have to be careful about this stuff. And I want to tell you why, because you see, faithfulness in the kingdom, obedience in the kingdom is connected to what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 15. You see, that's the Christian life. The Christian life comes down to this. How well do you love? Not whether you know someone famous, not whether you have a whole lot of followers on Facebook. <laughs> I should check and see how many of you are going to delete. No. It's all about how many people you love. You see, that's what Jesus said. It's, that's the profound part. He comes to his disciples and he says, hey, you know the, the love that the Father had for me? You know that love that God the Father had for me, that has for, for God the Son, and that I have that love back to the Father? Well, that same love, I loved you with you. And you need to abide in that love. You see, priority number one of a believer is we have to abide in his love. We don't just get to visit it. We need to learn to remain in it. We have to learn to stay in it. That's why we sing about it. That's why we talk about it. That's why we teach about it. That's why we're in the word with it all the time. Because I have to stay in that place where I have the revelation that God loves me. I have to stay in that place. Because you see, it's only when I fully love him that I can do the next thing. And that's go and love people. See, firstly, a church that impacts is a church that stays in that place of where God loves them. It's not running around and around in circles trying to do all sorts of things. But first and foremost, being in that place where God loves us. Because you see, what happens is our love is awakened when we encounter God's love. That is why as a church, our number one priority is I want you to encounter God. Because as you encounter God, when you encounter his love for you, then your love for him is awakened. Your love is awakened by his love for you. First John 4.19, we loved him because he first loved us. So when I encounter his love, my love becomes awakened. So God says, okay, in that place, you're to stay, abide, reside, dwell. Don't leave that place. Don't leave that place of understanding God's love, God, that God loves me and encountering his love. But from that place, from that place of abiding, from that place of dwelling in his love, from that place, here's the commandment I now give you. In the same way that the Father has loved me and I have loved you, now go and love other people. Go and love other people. And love them really well. Love one another. See, here's the kingdom's version of success. We abide in his love and we love other people. We have to be faithful and obedient in all that he's called us to. And that's what he's impressed by. You see, God, you know what God's impressed by? Not by my accomplishments. He's impressed by my love for people. That's what he's applauding. That's what brings him pleasure. You know, some time ago, I was in the foyer one Sunday morning before service, and I noticed someone who I had met before was sitting down and having a coffee, and I went over and I started just chatting to her, and uh, um, it, was one, it was her first time along on a Sunday, and, and she, um, lovely, lovely Christian lady, really lovely, but she also just suffered from a, a high degree of social anxiety, and, uh, you know, just 
devoting dealing and connecting with new people, but she was making a real effort to come along to Liberty here and, and be part of it. And we chatted for a while. Just just a wonderful woman. I introduced her to, to Jenny Lou and she connected in and, and you know it was it was just a great time. And um, you know, that was fine. We did Sunday morning service. I preached and you know, um, I think it was okay. <laughs> Not always good, but I think it was okay that day. And uh, in fact, it was a great Sunday. Everything flowed. The worship was awesome. I mean, when isn't it? It was brilliant. We had a great lunch. People were around. And, and afterwards, I was up in my office. And, and as I do, I just often review the day. Just get with the Lord and just, you know, and I, was, I was really enjoying him and, and just being with him. And you know what? The, the thing I felt God's pleasure over most that entire day, it, it wasn't my sermon. It wasn't the people came. It was the fact that I stopped and I cared for someone. You see, that's what impresses him. That's what he values. Kingdom success is this. It's standing before him, and he's going to ask me this question. Did I love well? Did I take what I gave, what I gave you, your, my love, and did you use it well to love others? Yeah, and the Bible's really clear. You see, you may have two talents, and the person next to you may have ten talents. It doesn't matter. He's going to ask you the same thing. The person next to you have more, may have more money than you. He may have more gifts than you. They may have more than whatever. But the question will always remain the same. Did you take what I gave you? And were you faithful with it? And then did you do what I asked you to do? And what does he ask of us? To love people to love one another, to actually take time, to take time. We need to be in that place where we say, God, I just want to please you and I want to be impressed with the things that you're impressed by. You know, because most of the things that impress us, him, do you know they're done in secret when no one else knows anything about them? And we, we need to be faithful in that. And part of that is building relationships with, with people. You know, there's a real simplicity to this. And I think, you know, in our movement, we've got caught up in a whole lot of other things and we've missed out on this fundamental thing of life and community, of loving one another. You know, one of the main manifestations, one of the main markers of revival or a move of God is that love is manifested. You know that? I also think it's women in leadership and multicultural presence, but that's that two sermons for another day. <laughs> that a marker for revival is actually that, the well, firstly, the body learns how to love one another, and then we had to take that love out into the community that people encounter it. If we want to see God move, if we want to see the Holy Spirit move in our midst, then, you know, the two things that we would see evident are power and love. See, love to me is the whole structure. You know, we've gone after the kingdom. We've seen healings. We see healings weekly here. But it's got to be within all within the framework. The foundation of everything is love. It's love. And I'm not talking about soppy, namby-pamby. I'm talking about courageous, powerful, life-changing love. That's the foundation of everything that we're to do. 
And it, be- it begins, it's all about love, love being manifested. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, when the Holy Spirit is active, love is one of the main manifestations. If you want to know if something's an authentic move of God, of the Holy Spirit, power is part of it, absolutely, but so is love. So is love. Love manifesting in the midst of the body. Now, in saying all that, you know, I think there's one thing that we've really missed even in this whole context of love. And it's when we want to know how do we love one another, how do we outwork this, I think we've, we've missed the other bit of the verse, which is friendship. Jesus is clear. He says, I want you to go and love people the way I've loved you. And then he called us friends. Greater love has none this than to lay down one's life for your friends. And I think we've actually missed the friend part of that verse. I think somehow we, 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 we try to lay down our lives and we, we do try to do this thing, but we get really busy and we miss the whole idea of building friends. You see, I believe God has called us to build friendships that love, that love can flow through. Love manifesting itself through friendships, both in the community, I said both in the church and also outside the church. You see, I think it's time for people to take a great big breath, slow down and build friendships. Build friendships. Because if we can build authentic friendships, that's where the love begins to flow. That's where love is manifested, where people are laying their lives down not for strangers, not for people they really don't know, but laying their lives down for friends. Because you see, love is a game changer. If you are a believer, it's what drew you. It was love. It was his love that drew you. It was his love that transformed you. It's about love being expressed. And look, I understand that we need to minister to to those that we don't know necessarily that we don't know well and aren't our friends. I understand that, and that's important. But here I'm just wanting to highlight an area that I believe we've missed as a church. You see, both inside and outside the church, this is what we're looking for, love. Everybody's looking for love. This is what the world's in pursuit of. This is what we're all after. You know, the incredible lengths that people will go to find love. And we, as the body of Christ, know that the only true love that is going to satisfy is from God. So we need to create an environment where people encounter God, where they can create, we need to create a place, an environment of love. You see, I want people to encounter love. I want every single person to encounter God. And to do that, I know I have to create an environment of love. Because when you walk in love, love casts out fear. Love is what chases away hate. It's love that brings forgiveness. It's love that does that. Love and fear. The Bible talks about it. Love casts out all fear. You see, love and fear cannot be roommates. They can't coexist. So the goal is not to try to get rid of fear. 
the goal is to make sure that love is there. Because when love is there, fear goes. You don't have to work at it. Hate goes. It's that whole dark and light scenario. You know, some of, some of us have been taught this, that there's this massive battle going, over, going on over our lives, you know, and, and over our cities of light versus darkness. Listen, there's not a battle between light and dark because light is always superior to darkness. Always. Darkness is always inferior to light. There is not a battle going on between light and darkness. There is a battle going on as to whether you and I will turn the light on. Because when the light is turned on, darkness has to go. I mean, none of you walk into a room and sit there and go, oh, I just hope tonight that the light's going to win. Oh, Jesus, I just hope it's going to win. I mean, light, please prevail. Oh, dear Jesus, please let the light. We don't do that. We simply do what? We turn the light on and the darkness goes. It's not a battle. It's never a battle when you turn on the light because we know this, the minute the light turns on, what happens? Darkness goes away. It leaves. It flees. And it's the same thing. Fear cannot coexist with love. When we create a culture and environment where love is flowing and love is manifesting, there will be freedom. There will be life. There will be hope. So how do we get the love flowing? We've just read it. The greatest love is this, that we lay down our lives for our friends. The question is, are we building friendships? Are we building friendships, both in the church? Hey, listen, this is a challenge. I know this is a challenge. We've got busy lives. There's 50 million things we've got to do. I understand that. But I think we are fundamentally missing something of the quality of the Christian life that God is calling us to embrace by pushing it aside and just doing the the Christian thing. I think God is actually calling us to a depth of relationship that actually does cost. It does cost. I was looking at it this morning. It's interesting. Jesus starts talking about covenant and love and Judas Iscariot splits. The moment love and commitment's talked about, Judas leaves because it was getting too close to home for him. You know, you see, it's easy to sit here and listen to a sermon like this and think, oh, love, for goodness sake, because I used to sit there and think exactly the same thing. In fact, more scathing than that, actually, if I'm truthful. <laughs> so I said to you, you know, I wouldn't even read First John because it had too much love stuff. And I was like, oh, give me the power stuff. But I've come to realise as I walk through this, the framework. No, I'm thinking I'm back. This framework for life is love at every area. So we need to build friendships in the church. And I might push some buttons here. We also need to build friendships outside the church. I mean, are you building friendships with people who don't know Jesus? See, I think there's. Uh, how do I put this? I think there's our kind of heritage has been an evangelism. There's been an urgency, and I think it's actually hurting our cause. There, you know, it's been this this urgency that's been pushed into evangelism. You know, people have to get saved right now. You know what I'm saying? 
if you die tonight, in fact, maybe even sooner if you don't answer my question rightly, where are you going to spend eternity? You know, that kind of thing that's gone on. But the problem is that you know, love is manifested in friendship. And it takes time to build friendships. Urgency doesn't build friendships. And I think we need to actually value people. Every single person, we've talked about this, every single person, whether they're laying in a gutter or whether they're are created in the image of God. And God doesn't look at them through the same eyes we do. He looks at every single one of them as either a lost child that has lost his father, who Jesus wants to bring home, or as one of his children who's living in the fullness. That's it. And yet we don't take time. We don't take time. We don't take time at work to just spend some time at coffee break talking to people. And especially, you know, if they're people that we, you know, if they're gay or if they're, they're living in, you know, oh, I don't want to be contaminated. I am holy and righteous. Get over yourself. <laughs> Get over yourself. And start building relationships. I have sat with a gay person as his, as his partner died of AIDS, holding his hand. And I sat there. And I was friends with them, and I'm quite happy to say that. They knew I didn't agree with what, where their lifestyle was, but they also counted me their friend. And when things went wrong, they came to me. And no, they didn't become believers at that point, but they encountered the love and mercy and grace of God. And we need to learn to make friends. We really do. There needs to be a sense of connection. And we need to learn it. It is learned. It does take effort. You know, the best thing that could be said about our church is that they were friendly. People are friends. They lay their lives down for one another. They're going deeper with one another. When we, when we had our fire, when we were first married, and our house got burnt down, the people who took into it, frankly, we didn't even really particularly like them. But they opened their house. <laughs> Hope that's, yeah. Boy, am I digging at myself in <laughs> They were lovely people that we really cherished and loved and admired. How's that? But they were people that we, we greatly knew. But they came and they gave their lives to us. They, they, they came and they gave their lives. They invited us into their home. And, and you know what? They became our best friends. They became our best friends. They really did. Lifelong friends. Because they took the time and the effort to build relationship. You see, where love manifests, fear goes. We need to build connection and relationships in here. And it can't happen just on a Sunday. It can happen through our small groups. We've got some amazing small groups. But I would even challenge you to go beyond that. To actually take time to, to go and have a coffee with someone. Find out their story. Ask them what their story is, what, what's happening in their lives. And build that relationship. But you know what? More than that, when we walk outside these doors, we need to do the same thing. We need to build friendships. You know, I'm going to make a, a, a statement, <laughs> and then I'm going to contradict that. <laughs> so hang with me, okay? 
I heard a sermon once where the person was saying that building, free, building friendships with people shouldn't have an agenda. Building friendships with people shouldn't have an agenda. And I agree with that statement. Except I do have an agenda. <laughs> I do. I want everybody to know the love of God. See, I want everybody to be free. I want everybody to know the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Christ. I want us all to know that. I really do. But there's this mode that, that we are, and sometimes with people who don't know Christ, where it's like we... we, we um, Here's my agenda. I want to build a friendship. Because if I build a friendship, then I can talk to you about Jesus. You know? And um, it, it begins to sound a little bit like a salesperson. You know what I'm saying? We need to be in that place where we build, we build relationship where we actually just build the friendship with the person. We want, to, want them to know the love and forgiveness of God. We want them to experience all that. But we don't want to do it as a, as a sales pitch. We want to do it with some sincerity. Because you know if there's, if there's those kinds of agendas in our relationships, it can just get really weird, really, lots of ways. You know? I'm sure you've all been in situations where someone's, you know, oh, I want to get to know you and how you're doing and whatever, and, and you start connecting with them, and then suddenly you think, oh, you're trying to sell me something. <laughs> or you're trying to sign me up. You've ever been in that sort of situation? You know, I can remember one time, and, and, and it actually bleeds over. It bleeds over somehow into the way the church approaches the world. But you see, we're here to love, to be there for them. We are there to serve people. And that's how we should build friendships. Because if there is a, 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 an unhealthy agenda in your life, it becomes evident really, really quickly. Remember the, this group of guys that when we were in our pharmacy and we were looking at various business things and, and they wanted me to be involved with this company they were bringing into New Zealand. And, and initially they were really, really friendly. You know, they were great. They wanted to know about the kids and about so and what and real interest. But as soon as we told them actually we've, we've thought about it and it's really not going to fit into where we're going as a couple, they just cut out straight off. <laughs> I don't think we've ever heard from them again. And, and I think that we've got to, you know, that's not how we want to do kingdom. See, what I'm giving you this morning, as I said, is not soft love. This is a courage. This is a challenge. Because it's saying, are you prepared to lay your life down for people? Be in for the long haul. See, I think we really need to figure out what the definition of the kingdom success is. I mean, gaining stuff isn't bad. It just isn't a definition of success that we want to have. The definition of, the, of success in the kingdom is, are we doing what he's asked us to? Are we faithful with what he gave us and did we do what he asked us? And what does he ask us? That we love one another. Do you love people in your community? Do you love people outside of this community? Love one another. You see, when you you love the same way I love, then I manifest. John 4 says it. It's really a parallel passage to what I read earlier today. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And here it is. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. What's he saying is he's saying, listen, Jesus came as a manifestation of the Father's love. And when you encounter that, you, you now have a, a new mission and a new commandment. Go and love people with that same love. That's what the Bible says. No one has seen God, but if you love one another, God is manifested. If you want people to see God, then love them really well. Love people really well. Lay your life down for them, both inside the community here and outside the community. And here's a challenge. I'm hoping that everybody in this room actually knows someone who doesn't know Jesus and that they're wanting to work at building a friendship with them. Not to sell them anything, not trying to have a notch in their belt, but actually building genuine friendship. Because knowing when we lay down our lives, love is manifested, God is manifested. And when you have an encounter with God, the love of God, everything changes. It transforms everything. It pulls you, it draws you, it molds you, it changes everything. And you see, this is what we're going after. It's all that simple. Stay in God's love and love others. That's success. That's success. And one day you'll stand before him and he'll say, did you love well? Well, God, I preached to a thousand people. I don't care. (laughs) Did you love well? Man, I had this super successful business and I even had Jesus stickers on it. I don't care. Did you love well? See, that's all he wants to know from us. Did you take what I gave you? Were you faithful with it? And did you love well? See, when when this happens in an environment, that's when we really begin to see breakthrough. So here's my challenge to you. Build friendships. Build friendships in this community. Build relationships where love can be manifested so God gets to show up. So everybody that comes in will come into an environment where love is evident. And then build relationships outside the church. You know, it's important. Look, I mean, I've never hidden the fact that I love Jesus. I don't hide the fact that I believe in God. I believe he's the answer to everything. He has the power to set you free. But I'm also okay to build long-term relationships in that, to build friendships, to share that with people. Because in that friendship, I believe with God, where God is truly manifested. I want you to encounter the love of God. And my agenda is that if I love people well, He will manifest to them. But loving in the context of friendship takes time. So let's do what Jesus commanded us to do. Let's celebrate that. 
You know, it's so easy to get caught up in all the amazing stories these days on Facebook of all these incredible Christian leaders who do insanely amazing things. And look, you know, those guys are my heroes. Don't don't hear me pulling them down. I, I admire them all immensely. But you know what? It's not about all the things they do, but it's the fact that they love well. I remember um, some time ago hearing the story, and I can't, I'm sorry, I can't think of her name now, but she's a missionary, in, uh, a nursing missionary over in Africa, and it's got an amazing story, a testimony. Um, oh, I can't think, Chris Vallotton wrote a book about her and all the incredible things she did. Tracy Evans, she does these amazing things, an incredible testimony, really worth reading and listening to her testimony. But how did it start? It started when she was a, a street kid and she broke into a church because it was raining and she curled up in a corner and she heard the door open at midnight and the pastor walked in and for the next hour she heard him crying out for his people that God would touch them. How, how could he love them more? And he would individually go through it. Then he started praying for his town and poured his heart out. Now, Walter, this is not directly about building friendship, but it showed this man's heart. And, she came, and it so drew her. She came back the next night and she came back the next night and she listened to Bill Johnson as he cried out for his congregation of 150 people in Weaverville and for his small town. And she said, her comment was that for the first time ever, she heard authentic love being expressed. And today, as I say, she serves on the mission field. You see, it's learning. It's learning to be impressed with what God's impressed with. Because while I'm impressed with all those people who do those things, I'm equally impressed with the guy who's just loving people and no one knows about it. The person who has no Instagram followers but he loves well and builds relationships. One of my heroes is Kim Goodwin, our missionary. And, you know, I get to Skype, her and I Skype every two or three weeks just to catch up and spend an hour just sharing. And, and she just, just the passion that she has for the leper colonies that she goes into, the, the, the villages she goes in in Borneo and preaches the gospel and, and the excitement and joy of investing. And, you know, all those people you talk to, she talks about, and she doesn't talk about the number of people that have got saved in the sense of big numbers. She talks about them with the love and concern about this woman, that happened, about this guy, about that, because she's passionately focused on loving him and then loving everyone she encounters. So let's be impressed by what God's impressed by. Let's value what God values. Let's applaud what God applauds. And these things are faithfulness, obedience, and loving well. Let's stand, shall we?